Go to Luke chapter 24 this morning, would you please? Luke chapter 24. I know Brother Tyler's mentioned it. I, I know it's going to be mentioned in the announcement video following the service today. But let me, let me just encourage you to be here next Sunday. It's going to, I know this overused word, but it's going to be epic. It really is. Um, it'll be the most unique presentation of the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ I think that we have ever attempted here uh, as a church, as a music ministry, uh, as a pastor, uh, a lot of multimedia, uh, and I think that's a good thing in the sense that it sometimes helps us visualize in our mind a lot of the things that we normally read about the life of Christ that we just can't see sometimes. I think being able to see that will be incredible help. There's going to be some personal testimonies from our church family, incredible choir music, soloist, um, and, and all of that surely will bolster the preaching. That will be our prayer. But uh, we do want you to come back next Sunday, 9 o'clock or 11 o'clock. Our children's ministries are geared up. They're ready for your kids next Sunday, and they're going to have a tremendous time and if our church family, Brother Tyler, will have a few more logistical details for us tonight. So be sure and, and be here for that, if you would. When it comes to preaching at specific times during the year, uh, particularly Christmas and Easter, um, I feel somewhat like the preacher who was invited uh, to preach in a national pastor's conference and as he sat on the platform next to the host pastor, the host pastor noticed that he was anxiously looking through his notes and looking at the crowd and looking back at his notes and looking back at the crowd. So finally he asked the, 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 the preacher, he said, what, what's going on? He said, are you afraid somebody here has already heard your message? And he said, oh no, that's not it at all. He said, I'm afraid that there's not anybody here who hasn't heard it. And you know, when it comes to Easter, I mean, just about everybody has heard the Easter story. There are many of us in here this morning who've heard it over and over and over again. But am I the only one this morning to whom the Easter story never grows old? I mean, never, ever. It's a story of, of a, a, a battle. It's a story of a victory. It's a story of life, it's a story of hope, and I don't know about you, but to me, that story never grows old. Allow me to set the stage for today's message, the horror of the crucifixion, and, and make no mistake about it, it was a horrible, grotesque event, but it's over. Jesus is dead. One of his disciples, a man, from, he was from Arimathea, his name was Joseph, came to Pilate and begged the body of Jesus so he could give it a proper burial. And so Pilate consented. And Joseph took the body of Jesus and he wrapped it and he placed it in a tomb. Three days and three nights passed, just like Jesus predicted would happen, by the way. 
And sometime after 6 p.m. on that third day, the stone was rolled away, and Jesus walked out of that tomb triumphant over death, hell, and the grave. Very early in the morning, a group of women came. They were led by Mary Magdalene. And they came to the tomb because they wanted to anoint the body of Jesus. When they got there, they were surprised because Jesus wasn't there. And as they stood there totally dumbfounded by what they had discovered, an angel appeared to them and The angel asked them this question, why seek ye the living among the dead? And then some of the greatest words recorded in the Bible, he is not here. He has risen. Shortly after that, the ladies returned back to a group of disciples that were still assembled together and they informed them of what they had seen and what they had heard. But sadly, if you have your Bibles open to Luke 24, look at verse 11. Sadly, it says, and their words, the words of these ladies who had witnessed the empty tomb and had heard the proclamation, the declaration of the angel that Jesus had risen, those ladies... Their words, it says in verse 11, seemed to them, the other disciples, the other followers of Christ, as idle tales. And they believed them not. Now let's pick up our reading in verse 13, Luke chapter 24. And behold, two of them that would be disciples of Christ, followers of Jesus, two of them went the same day to a village called Emmaus, which was from Jerusalem, about three score, that would be 60 furlongs. We're talking about seven and a half miles in today's American measurements. And they talked together of all these things which had happened. And it came to pass that while they communed together and reasoned, look at this, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. So here you have these two followers of Christ who are now leaving Jerusalem and they're conversing back and forth about the things that have happened When all of a sudden this third traveler joins them, the Bible says that it was Jesus himself. But their eyes, verse 16, but their eyes were holden that they should not know him. Mark put it this way in Mark chapter 16 and verse 12. Mark said this, he appeared in another form. Are you tracking with me? These two disciples are walking. This third person joins them. They don't know who it is. Jesus has appeared to them in some other form. 
And he said unto them, verse 17, What manner of communications are these that ye have one to another as ye walk and are sad? And one of them, whose name was Cleopas, answering, said unto him, Art thou only a stranger in Jerusalem? And hast not known the things which are come to pass there in these days? And he, Jesus, said unto them, What things? <laughs> Jesus said, what, so, so what are you guys talking about? Why are you so down in the dumps? Why are you so sad? What is it that has you all bound up in your spirit? And, and the guy says, dude, well, like, what rock have you been living under? What do you mean, what things? You don't you not have a clue about the things that have gone on the last three or four days in Jerusalem? Verse 19, and they said unto him, concerning Jesus of Nazareth, which was a prophet mighty indeed, and word before God and all the people. And how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and have crucified him. But we trusted that he had been he which should have redeemed Israel. And beside all this, today is the third day since these things were done. Yea, and certain women also, our company, made us astonished, which were early at the sepulchre and when they found not his body, they came saying that he had also seen a, they had also seen a vision of angels which said that he was alive. And certain of them which were with us went to the sepulcher and found it even so as the women had said, but, but him they saw not. Then he said unto them, O fools, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken, ought not Christ to have suffered these things? And to enter into his glory, and beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them and all the scriptures the things concerning himself. And they drew nigh unto the village whither they went, and he made as though he would have gone further. But they constrained him, saying, Abide with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is far spent, and he went in to tarry with them. And it came to pass, as he sat at meat with them, he took bread and blessed it, and brake and gave them. Verse 31, And their eyes were opened, and they knew him, and he vanished out of their sight. And they said one to another, did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us by the way and while he opened to us the scriptures? And they rose up the same hour and returned to Jerusalem and found the eleven gathered together and them that were with them, saying, The Lord is risen indeed and hath appeared to Simon. And they told what things were done in the way and how he was known of them in breaking of bread. The Lord's help, I want to preach to you this morning under this title, Encountering the Risen Christ. Some years ago, a British pastor by the name of W.E. Sangster began to notice some uneasiness in his throat and some dragging in his leg. And when he went to the doctor, he found that he had 
an incurable disease that caused progressive muscular atrophy. And he was told that his muscles would gradually just waste away and that his voice would fail and that his throat would become such that he would be unable to swallow. And sure enough, it wasn't long and these things began to happen. And unable to walk or talk, Pastor Sangster could still write. And so on Easter Sunday morning, about three weeks before his death, he wrote a letter to his daughter. And in that letter, he said this, It is terrible to wake up on Easter morning and have no voice to shout, Here's risen! But it would be still more terrible to have a voice and not want to shout. In our text, we meet two men, one named Cleopas, the other is unnamed. Now, I say two men, I'm assuming that, I don't know that. We're not told that exactly in this passage. It could have been one man and one woman, it could have been a husband and wife, but be that as it may, there are two individuals both of whom at one time had been followers of Jesus. In all probability, they had seen his miracles, they had heard his message, they had witnessed his, his doings, he had been in, they had been involved in, in ministry, no doubt they had witnessed his misery on the cross, and now they were left with nothing but memory. So here are two people, unlike Pastor Sangster, who had the voice to shout, He is risen! But they didn't want to. We might put it this way, they had the voice, but they didn't have the victory. And I'm guessing that there are perhaps some here this morning who can identify with the two in our story because for some reason, for one reason or another, you've lost your shout. The victory's gone. Though you know these facts in your head, you've lost the fire in your heart. And if that describes you, then I am convinced this morning that the Lord wants to draw near to you just like he drew near to Cleopas and his unnamed companion. And he wants to draw near because he has something to say to you today. I don't think it's by mistake that the companion of Cleopas is left unidentified. Perhaps that's so you and I can insert ourselves into this story as we walk along with Cleopas and the Lord draws near. There are a few things I want us to recognize this morning. Let's, let's talk first and foremost this morning about the events that confused them. 
that they were confused is evident by their conversation. The Bible says that they were talking, they were, they were trying to reason things out. I mean, everything seemed to happen so fast. It was as though one minute their hearts were being stirred by the words of wisdom that were coming forth from the mouth of Jesus, and the next minute they were saddened as they heard his cry from the cross out of the darkness, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? At one minute things seemed to be just beginning, and the next they were finished. I mean, things just didn't make sense. And so they were talking one with the other, and they were trying to make sense of the things that they had just witnessed. And because of their confusion, they were disappointed. Amazed that this man who had joined them in their journey was unaware of the things, supposedly unaware, they were assuming he was unaware of the things that had taken place earlier, Cleopas begins to explain things to him. As you read his explanation in verses 19, 20, and 21, it becomes clear that many others of that, like many others of that day, Cleopas was mistaken as to why Jesus had come. It's clear from what we just read that his hope was like the hope of many others that Jesus would be the one who would rally the troops, if you will, and, and lead them in an overthrow of the Roman government and the reestablishment of the kingdom of the Jews. His hopes were that Jesus would be the one who would set them free. Well, Jesus did speak of a kingdom. And he did speak of setting men free. But he was speaking in spiritual terms. The kingdom that he spoke of is, is not of this world. And the freedom that he came to give men was not political freedom. It was spiritual freedom. At any rate, they were disappointed. And their disappointment, in verses 21 through 24, we see that their disappointment led to doubt. It's as if Cleopas was saying, yeah, and there were some ladies who really had us going there for, for a minute about some story of Jesus not being in the tomb and, and uh, him still being alive. And one of our friends actually went to check it out, and sure enough, he was gone, but he's nowhere to be found. And I, I doubt if we ever find him anywhere ever again. For Cleopas and the other disciples, their hopes had been shattered. And their faith had been shaken. And they were disappointed. And they began to doubt. And even worse, they were defeated. Everything Cleopas had to say was in the past tense. He was, we trusted, he should have. These guys were living in total defeat. As far as they were concerned, there was no hope. It was all over. 
Jesus is dead. Even if he did rise again, we don't know where he is. It's time to just check it in. And that's exactly what they did. Because next we see them departing. I mean, this was the only thing left to do. We're done. We're finished. We have no hope. We're disappointed. We're doubting. They're defeated. So they're just walking away. I underline in my Bible the word from in verse 13 to a village called Emmaus, which is from Jerusalem. These men were walking away from it all. They were done. They had had it. Now, can you see the progression here? First, they became disappointed. Listen to me. They became disappointed because Jesus didn't do what they wanted him to do. Then because Jesus didn't come through for them, at least as they thought he should have come through for them, they began to doubt if he ever would. And I'm guessing they probably even began to question their involvement with him in the first place. Why did I ever join in this? Why did I ever become a part of this following? Why did I take all of this time to sit and listen and give all of my time and all of my effort and all of my faith to this Jesus guy? And eventually, their doubt led to defeat. And defeat led to departure. Again, it led to them just walking away from it all. We're done. We're through. It's over. Now listen to me this morning, church. Even though these events happened over 2,000 Easter's ago, what we've read and what I'm preaching to you this morning is as up-to-date as this morning's news because it's played out over and over and over again every day there's no question in my mind in a group this size that sitting among us this morning are some who are on this very journey and there's no doubt it happened in the very same way. You got disappointed. Maybe you became disappointed in some pastor or some church member. Maybe you felt like the pastor wasn't fair or, or, or maybe you felt like he wasn't concerned or, or whatever. Maybe you felt that you were mistreated by a brother or sister in Christ. Maybe you felt in your heart that the church family just didn't come through for you like you think they should have. And it may be that at some point in time, God didn't do what you thought. He should have done when you thought he should have done it. And you're disappointed. God didn't save your marriage. God didn't build your business. God didn't heal your loved one. God didn't give you that job. He didn't bring you a life made. He didn't answer the prayer that, that the way that you hoped he would answer it. And, and, and the truth is, you got disappointed. 
And then because of your disappointment, you started to doubt. Maybe you started to doubt the integrity of the the pastor or you began to doubt the sincerity of your church family or you began to doubt the validity of God's love or you began to doubt the necessity of your involvement with God and the church and now you find yourself defeated and you're ready to turn your back on it and just walk away. Or maybe to a large extent, That's what you've already done, at least in your heart. You're here in body, but you're not here in spirit. Your body's here, but your heart's not here. And it's because this same scenario has played out in your life in some form or fashion. Can I tell you something this morning in love that you're sure to find out if you haven't found out already that walking away is not the answer. There are some here today who took that same journey that you're on right now and they walked away But at some point, they've they've come back, and their testimony is this, it wasn't worth the time that I wasted in my life being away from God and His house. I wish I'd never done it. It was my fault. I I, I took things the wrong way. I, I, I had misconceptions. I was wrong, and I wish I'd never done it. Walking away is not the answer. Now, if you stay with me, I'll give you the answer in just a moment. But for just a minute, let's consider the exchange that convicted them. So Jesus comes and he joins these two travelers, and they don't have a clue that it's Jesus. But I want you to go back to our text in verse 32. You still with me? Say amen. All right, go back to our text, verse 32, real quick. They were convicted by the word. And they said one to another, did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us by the way and look at this and while he opened to us the scriptures in part this burning in their heart was due to the conviction that was brought on as Jesus drew near to them and began to speak to them from the Old Testament scriptures the Bible says that he went all the way back to Moses he went all the way back to the, to the book of Genesis, and he began working his way up uh, through the prophets and began to show them all of the things that the Bible had to say about this man named Jesus, particularly about his death and his resurrection. Oh, listen to me this morning. There is power in the Word of God. There is power to convict There is power to cleanse. Thank God there is power to change. And these men, as as Jesus began to reason with them from the scriptures, the Spirit of God began to convict them and their hearts began to burn. But they were also convicted of their ways. I believe personally that Cleopas and his friend knew what they were doing was wrong. Walking away 
was not the right answer. And I believe they knew in their heart that they were wrong because when they got their hearts right, the Bible says that they went straight back to Jerusalem and to those that they had served the Lord with. Look at verse uh, 33. And they rose up the same hour and returned to Jerusalem. In verse 13, we see that they're walking from Jerusalem. In verse 33, they're returning to Jerusalem. And they found the eleven gathered together and them that were with them. Let me repeat something that you've heard from this pulpit many, many, many times. As a matter of fact, you're so familiar with it, you'll be able to complete the, the sentence this morning. At the heart of every problem is the problem of the heart. Jesus identified the, the problem in verse 25. It was a heart problem. Look at verse 25. Then said he, oh, oh fools, and slow of what, church? Slow of heart to believe, slow, dull of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. May I be so bold as to say this morning that the heart of your problem today, whatever your problem is, is a problem of your heart. Whether it's bitterness or anger or jealousy or lust or selfishness or carnality or apathy or whatever, it can all be traced back to the heart. For out of the heart, Solomon said, are the issues of life. If you have an issue this morning, it's coming from a heart that is not right with God. That being said, I promised to show you the answer to the problem. And so let's do that real quick. We'll do that through the encounter that changed them. Go back to the text, verse 28. And they drew nigh unto the village whither they went, and he made as though he would have gone further. But they constrained him, saying, Abide with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is far spent. And he went in to tarry with them. And it came to pass, as he said it, meet with them he took bread and blessed it and break and gave to them and their eyes were open and they knew him listen to me look up here here's where the road back begins it begins by yearning for his fellowship these individuals wanted the lord in their life I go back to the verse about their hearts burning within them as they walk and they talk with Jesus. No doubt, I'm, I'm convinced this morning that as Jesus began to speak and began to reason with them from the scriptures about himself, about his death, about his burial, about his resurrection, he began to share with them the hope and the promises that, that God had given uh, their forefathers in the Old Testament that they began to remember just a few days ago how it used to be and this is how our hearts used to be when back in the day just a few days ago a week ago when we would sit and listen to Jesus teach from the Old Testament you remember this is how we felt back then this is how it used to be is that you this morning do you remember 
how it used to be? Come on. Can you remember how your heart used to yearn for the Lord's presence? How you used to walk with Him? How you used to talk with Him? How things used to be when Sunday came around and how things used to be when you'd sit in a service like this and and people all around the building would be praising the Lord and singing to the Lord and glorifying the Lord. Then the pastor would come and he would open the Word and you sat with anticipation of what God was going to do in your heart that day. Listen to me this morning. The road back begins with a yearning and a burning in your heart to be close to God again. Well, this is a different church than I'm used to. The music's different than I'm used to. The preaching different than I'm used to. This is just not what I'm used to. Yeah, but it's the same God. That excuse tells me that you were drawn to the wrong thing. You were drawn to a building. You were drawn to a personality. You were drawn to a specific worship style. But you weren't drawn by God. Listen, when our focus is right and our hearts are right and we're drawn to God and God alone, it doesn't matter if we're sitting out in the parking lot and there's no music at all. It's just you and God and the Bible. That's enough. Amen. We get all wrapped up in environment and personalities and, and, and approaches. When, when, listen, we need to get back to where God and the Bible is enough. I just want God. I don't, I don't care how they sing. I don't care what they sing. I don't care what instruments they use. I don't care if the preacher wears a tie or doesn't. I don't care if he walks around and yells and screams or he sits on a bar stool and just talks. I don't care. I just want God. Listen, we need to get back to where it's just us and God and His Word. And that's enough. And that's where it starts. It starts with the yearning for his fellowship. Let me show you one other thing real quick. There's also got to be some yielding to his leadership. Now, I found this to be very curious. And nothing is in the Bible by mistake. Everything is recorded here for a purpose, and there's no doubt a purpose why Luke recorded uh, uh, verse 30. It says that Jesus went in and he, he sat down with, with Cleopas and, and his companion. Now, 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 church, stay with me here. Jesus, in this scenario, is the guest. Would you agree? He's been invited in. No, 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 no. We want you to come in. It's late. The sun's going down. We want you to to come in. In essence, they're saying this, come in and be our guest. And so he's invited, invited in as a guest. But notice what it says. And he sat at meat with them. Or excuse me. As he sat at meat with them, he, Jesus, stay with me, the guest, took the bread and blessed it and break it and gave 
it to them, the host. So Brother Mike and Joyce invite our family over for, for a meal. And so we go in and we sit down at the table and I say, well, let's pray. And then I start taking the food and start passing it around. That's not what I do as a guest. That's the host responsibility. Brother Mike says, he may say, Pastor, would you pray for us? Or, hey, let's pray. But I'm not going to initiate that. I'm the guest. I'm not the host. And so I would do that. Then Brother Mike starts to, to pass the food around. Are, are you with me? That's normally how it's done. But in this scenario, the guest has all of a sudden become the host. He is taking the lead. And I love this. They're just letting him do it. They're good with it. They're yielding to his leadership. Jesus is in the house at the invitation of someone else. But he's taking the lead. And again, they're letting him do it. Listen to me this morning. If you want to get back, then it starts at a place where God and the Bible are enough. Your heart yearns to fellowship with him again. But then there's another step, and that is this. You've got to let him start leading again. My guess is the reason that you're off track today, if that's the case in your life, it's because you took the lead in your life. You started calling the shots. You started making the decisions. And somehow, in all of the busyness, God's gotten left behind. And God's gotten left out of the picture. And if you want to get back into a right relationship with the Lord, it's a matter of saying, God, I'm sorry. Lord, your word is right. I, I took the lead. And I started making decisions, and I didn't ask you. I didn't pray about it. I didn't confer with you. I didn't seek any spiritual leadership. I didn't ask my spiritual leaders to pray with me about anything. I just started assuming and taking the lead. And, and now I know I'm not where I need to be. Now, I'll close with this in our text. Again, nothing's in the Bible by accident. The text says that as they neared the place where, where, where Cleopas and, and this other companion, whether it's his wife or, or whatever, when they neared the home, Jesus just, just kept walking like he was just going to keep on going. They said, no, 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 no. No, don't do that. The sun's coming at almost down. It's evening time. No, 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 don't do that. Come in. Can I just say to you this morning that some of you have that very same decision that you need to make today. God's here. And he's been with you all morning. And now as we near the time of decision making in our service, you have one of two choices. You can just let him keep walking. 
and you can stop. Say, no, Lord. I know what I need. I know what I need to do. I know you're right where I left you. And God, I don't want you to walk by today. I want to, I want to reunite. I want to fellowship with you again. I want you to lead my life again. Lord, it's been so long. And this morning, your spirit has spoke to me so clearly and so plainly. So, Lord, please don't pass me by. God, please stop. Lord, I'm here. Can we make things right? Amen? With our heads bowed and our eyes closed.